0: Sri Damodara Janani, subtitled Lord Damodar's Mother. This is Volume 4 in Krishna and Vrindavan series. And the author of this book is Shivaram Swami. Uh, your narrator is Nityananda Chandra. Dedication Srila Prabhupada said, Quote, Even in this material world, there is no comparison to a mother's love, for a mother loves her child without any expectation of return. With my head upon their lotus feet, I dedicate this book to every devotee's mother, including mine, Dushi. Preface In writing this book, Sri Damodar Janani. I have returned to the style that I first began with Veno-gita, which is to comment on the verses of Srimad Bhagavatam one by one. Since the pastime of Damodar spans four chapters of Srimad Bhagavatam, to reduce the number of chapters of this book, I have grouped together verses with common themes. As with Venogita, I have based my commentaries on those of previous Acharyas and on other scriptures. The commentaries are those of Shudar Swami, Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Srinath Chakravati, Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur, Balade Vidyabhushana, and Srila Prabhupada. It was my good fortune that, at my request, in the spring of nineteen ninety-nine, the late Gopi Paranadhanadas Adikari translated all the Sanskrit commentaries to the verses and chapters relevant to Damodar Lila. I feel honored that this book is based on his translations. The other scriptural references are Padma Purana, Brahma-vavarta Purana, brihad Bhagavatamrita, ananda vrindavan Champu, Sanatan Goswami's commentary on Sri Dhammadarastakam, and gopala Champu. This book is written completely as a narrative and so the readers will not find references, either by the way of a footnote or an endnote, to each and every detail that was derived from either the acharyas or the scriptures. Some readers readers may miss that others may consider it a fault. I hope most will like the overall effect thus created. I chose this literary technique primarily because it is the most readable narrative for the widest audience. In addition, it also maintains consistency in the writing style and avoids dotting the text with superscript numbers. Having said that, I have not neglected to provide references for points that I have considered to be of special interest. Evidence in Support of Poetic License In support of this book's method of composition, its apparent lack of direct referencing, and the introduction of additional characters Are offer Srila Prabhupada's own understanding of the freedom that a narrative or a summary study is entitled to. Once a disciple inquired, How was it that, in writing Krishna book, Srila Prabhupada appeared to to be taking certain liberties to communicate to his audience? For example, in chapter 14, Brahma is quoted as saying, "...therefore, as it is said in the Bhagavad-gita." However, the verses of the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam do not make reference to the Bhagavad-gita. Neither had Krishna, still a child, yet spoken it. Śrīla Prabhupāda's answer to the query was, "...therefore, I have called it a summary study." Summary study means I can do what I want. This answer, I can do what I want, is relevant in that it speaks about a genre of a book and not about Srila Prabhupada's prerogative as an acharya. The conclusion to be drawn is that Vaishnava authors have literary license. Of course, such a license must adhere to the practice of previous acharyas, and be faithful to the principles of melos, rasa, and philosophy, tatva. but license is there. Observing further how Śrīla Prabhupāda wrote Krishna book, we may note that nowhere in the text does Śrīla Prabhupāda make reference to the fact that his book is a summary study on the commentaries to the verses of the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, as well as the verses themselves. Śrīla Prabhupāda does occasionally refer to the acharyas like Shidhar, Jīva, and Viṣvanāta, but He does so without specific annotation. Neither does He reference every individual point that He gleans from their commentaries although His Divine Grace certainly extracted much content from His predecessors. In writing my Venu Gita, based on chapter 21 of Srimad Bhagavatam, I made an in-depth study of the Acharya's commentaries and of Śrīla Prabhupāda's Krishna book narrative, how He structured it and composed it, I was enthralled by how Shila Prabhupada took essential points from the Goswamis like Vishranata, Sanatana, and Jiva, and his own words connected those points to form a seamless and beautiful description, that is, the gopis attracted by the flute. Yet nowhere in the chapter did Srila Prabhupada make reference to any acharya, I present these arguments to give support to the style in which this book is written by citing Śrīla Prabhupāda's example and composing Krishna book. Readers may thus understand why I wrote this book the way I did. The rest of this preface presents how I consolidated the Bhagavatam verses, commentaries, and scriptural references into this book's narrative the verses, and its themes. What follows is an example of the procedure I employed in constructing a framework that became the basis for writing the narrative on each verse or groups of verses of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, Damodar lila It should be noted that the entirety of verses forming The content of the chapters 1-12 through is in Appendix 1. I first selected what I considered to be the main themes of the verse or verses. Following that, I would ascertain elaborations on those themes and commentaries and the scriptures. Next, I correlated the elaboration with each theme eliminating often occurring repetition, with the end result being a framework upon which I would carefully meditate before beginning to write. In this way, the aggregate of the same procedure for all the themes of all the verses of Dhammadar Lila comprises this book. To illustrate the above process, I shall apply it to verse 10.9.6 10, nine six, which when fully developed constitutes chapter 3 of Shri Damodar Janani I will also present a full narrative to just one of those themes this is Srimad Bhagavatam 10.9.6 Shanjata Kopa Spurita Arundharam. Sandyasya, Dadvir, Dadi Manta Bhajanam Bitva, Mishashu, Dishad Asmana Raho Jagasha, Haiyangatva, Anta Ram Gataha. Translation Quote, Being very angry and biting his reddish lips with his teeth, Krishna, with false tears in his eyes, broke the container of yogurt with a piece of stone. He then entered a room and began to eat the freshly churned butter in a solitary place. PURPORT It is natural that when a child becomes angry, he can begin crying with false tears in his eyes. So Krishna did this, and biting His reddish lips with His teeth, He broke the pot with a stone and entered a room and began to eat the freshly churned butter. Breaking up the verse into its components, I select the following themes being very angry and biting his reddish lips with his teeth, Krishna, with false tears in his eyes, broke the container of yogurt with a piece of stone. Then he entered a room and began to eat the freshly churned butter in a solitary place. The above themes determine the main sequence and chronology of the pastime. Having established these themes, I study the commentaries of the acharyas and see what they write about the verse. While I have done the same for the scriptures for the sake of brevity, in this example, I have only selected one text, Gopal Champu. The Commentaries a few of the many commentaries are presented below. These are transcriptions of Gopi Puranadana Prabhu's dictation, and while they're rough, still they give insight into what was spoken during the translation process. It begins with Sridhar Swami's commentary. Gopi Puranadanandasa Then this word, drishad-ashmana, this word means a small stone. Literally, the word is Shilaputra, the son of a stone, a small rock, although technically drishad, a grinding stone. Antaram just means that he went inside the house, Raha, in a solitary place. He was eating Navanita, new butter. Navanita is new, the new butter, just freshly made from yesterday's yogurt that is Sridhar swami's verse 6 end quote. Next follows a lengthier commentary by sanatan goswami gopi Dasa, beginning 6 verse 6 krishna got angry this is describing this and other adject- adjectives are there are describing the sweetness of a mother's absorption and affection and the childhood pastimes. Now we know this mood is real because all these different sentiments were arising simply in his mind and they were being enacted in a private place. They weren't a public display; They were real. He wasn't putting on some show. There was no one to show it to. No. We are talking about about the anger krishna is showing this is real because it was arising out of his mind it's a manifestation of something coming out of his inner mind and is being exhibited in seclusion it is not a public show it has to be accepted as factual from the mature point of view although it is certainly false and in vain, not factual. From the realistic point of view, what he is feeling is real. Still, it is said to be tears are false, because he is showing these tears simply out of the nature of a child. We read before, because he has no real reason to cry, it is just the nature of a child to cry like this. Then there is a quote from the Bhati Kavya, a poet who is famous for writing a couple books of poems that are just meant to show all the different rules of grammar, things that are so obscure, his name, Bhati, two dots under the two T's, and the grammarians, the students of grammar, read his poetry because he goes out of his way to give examples of every obscure rule of grammar that you never seen anywhere. And the quote is, La, that is just to say, he sees her laziness or fatigue, and it is said there, in that verse it begins like that, Bati is saying that the fatigue is false anyway. He is saying it is just like the case of the Bhatti poem wherein this lady is showing false fatigue. It doesn't mean that she wasn't actually tired, showing some exaggerated motion of it. I don't exactly understand this phrase. He's just comparing Krishna's, what's called false tears, to this false, so-called false fatigue of this lady, even though she is really tired. But something false about it. There's something false about Krishna's tears, even though he is actually upset. He doesn't have a real reason to cry. Or else, yadva, or else. And then he gives another explanation of sometimes it is really not false tears. Sometimes he is deceitful and shows false tears, but not in this case. In this case, the tears are real because he is not satisfied, satiated. And this indication, this is indicating that the Shukadev Goswami is the witness of this, and he is expressing himself humorously. In a humorous way, Shukadeva is introducing a note of humor here. Then, it is a repeat about the little stone that was used so when he broke could break the pot carefully without making a sound. Then, he took the milk that had the previous day, the yogurt from that, the next day is churned into butter. And it was that fresh butter which alone is used for making ghee. Now that is the opinion of the other. Now there is another authority who has another idea. He says Hayangava is the butter. Now we know now we, we don't have Katya's dictionary but we have s- have it from the commentary of somebody called Kshir Swami. It seems to be Sanatan Goswami. He quotes all these different authorities. Jiva Goswami does too. Shiva Ram Swami. Do you think this is Sanatan Goswami? Gopipurana Danadas. That is my first impression. That is the first one is Sanatan Goswami. Now taking the second view, that it is the butter, not the yogurt, in any case it doesn't make much difference. There's no real contradiction, because one of them is taken from the other. One is the product of the other, and they're both coming from the same milk. End quote. Now following Now follows Jiva Goswami's Gopal Champu as translated by Banu Swami. Quote, Meanwhile, Krishna was very disturbed to be refused what he demanded. In anger, he bit his curling reddish lips and from his eyes he sent forth rain of tears. He hit the pot with the churning rod, and then broke it open with a stone, but inside he did not find even a drop of butter. Learned authorities describe that at that time his rows of moon-like teeth shone clearly with the red color of his lips, and his two chakora bird eyes were filled with tears. Forcefully reaching out with his lotus hand, he threw away the remaining buttermilk. After there was no buttermilk left in the pot, then he started another pastime as follows. Seeing the fresh butter that was hanging from the ropes inside the house, he took a hold of it with some effort. Keshava ate some of the butter right there, and took the rest of it through the side door to hide it. His attempt is described like this. Using a key, he released just slightly the door's inner latch, and went inside the room and reclosed the latch. He put together a platform to serve as a ladder, took the hidden butter, and again went out. These are samples of the references. The next step is to divide each reference according to the four verse themes and list those parts of the references under their respective theme titles. Correlating References with the Themes of the Verse When listing the commentaries and scriptures under one of the four subtitles, I also edit them. I start with Śrīla Prabhupāda's purport, and then follow the previously mentioned sequence. Being very angry and biting his reddish lips with his teeth, Śrīla Prabhupāda. This is natural. When a child becomes angry. So Krishna did this and bit his reddish lips with his teeth. Sanatana Goswami. Just because it says that he cried false tears does not mean that Krishna's anger is feigned. His anger arose spontaneously as a result of Yashoda's conduct, which he deemed unjust. Evidence in support of this is that there are no witnesses to whom he would put on a show. Quote, it comes from his inner mind connected to the tears. Gopal Champu Meanwhile, Krishna was very disturbed to refuse what he demanded. In anger, he bit his curling reddish lips. Krishna with false tears in his eyes. Shula Prabhupada, It is natural when a child becomes angry, he can begin crying with false tears in his eyes. Sanatan Goswami From a mature or realistic viewpoint, the tears resulting from, the, from anger are false in that they are childish, the nature of a child. The example given by the poet Bhatti in the Bhatti Kavya is just as women sometimes make a natural show of fatigue, although not tired. Similarly, Krishna makes a show of tears, although not crying, but it is still natural. In reality, he has no reason to cry. Alternatively, Yadvat, although sometimes in being deceitful, he does show false tears. This is not the case because his hunger is not satisfied. Additionally, Sukadev Goswami introduces a note of humor in his language and that he is a witness to Krishna's expression of false tears. Gopal Champu His eyes sent forth a rain of tears, broke the container of yogurt with a piece of stone, Prabhupāda, he broke the pot with a stone. Shridar Swami. Then this word Drishad Amsamana means this small stone. Literally the word is śrīla-putra, son of a stone, small rock, although technically Drishad is a grinding stone. Sanatana Goswami. Krishna uses a little stone to break the pots, so that he would not make a sound. Gopal Champu. He hit the pot with the churning rod and then broke it open with a stone. But inside he did not find even a drop of butter. Learned authorities describe that at that time his rows of moonlike teeth shone clearly with the reddish color of his lips and his two Chakora bird eyes were filled with tears. Forcefully reaching out with his lotus hand, he threw away the remaining buttermilk. In, brackets, in other words, he cried again in frustration because his mother had been doing all this churning for nothing. Then he entered a solitary room and began to eat the freshly churned butter in a solitary place. Srila Prabhupada, entering a room and began to eat the freshly churned butter. Sridhar Swami Antaram means that he went on inside the house and raha. In a solitary place he was eating the navanita, the new butter, just freshly made from yesterday's yogurt. Sanatana Goswami There are a variety of opinions on what it is Krishna ate, could be yogurt from previous day's milk, or butter made from yogurt, or elsewhere the ghee made from butter. There are different opinions according to Kathayana's dictionary or to Kshir Swami in other in any case, there is no real difference, as they are all derived from each other' milk. Yogurt, Butter, Ghee Gopal Champu After there was no buttermilk left in the pot, he then started another pastime as follows. Seeing the fresh butter that was hanging from ropes inside the house, he took hold of it with some effort. keshava ate some of the butter right there and took the rest of it out through the side door to hide it. His attempt is described like this. Using a key, he released just slightly the door's inner latch and went inside the room and reclosed the latch. He put together a platform to serve it as a ladder, took the hidden butter, and then again went out. Synthesizing the commentaries on themes into one narrative I have shown how I have correlated a few commentaries and a scripture. The same was done for all other references on this verse. Synthesizing those references also includes resolving or, in the absence of a resolution, presenting variations on details of a theme, either in the text, an endnote, or an appendix. A few pastime variations can be seen below. Krishna being very angry and biting his reddish lips with his teeth. There's no variations on this theme. Krishna with false tears in his eyes. While everyone is in agreement that Krishna's tears are not artificial, but natural result of his anger, Sanatana Goswami says the underlying cause may be a natural reaction of due to being ignored for the boiling milk, that he was still hungry, broke the container of yogurt with a piece of stone. There are quite a few variations of what happened. He used a small stone. He used a small piece of stone. The small st- stone was a grinding stone. He hit the pot with a churning rod and broke it with a stone." Kavikarnapur also adds that Krishna got even more upset when there was no butter to be found in the pot, only buttermilk. He then entered the room and began to eat the freshly churned butter in a solitary place. There are also variations here. Entered a room and ate the butter from the churn. Went into the storeroom and ate the milk or ghee stocked there. Ate some butter on the spot, and took the rest into another room where he locked himself in. After these variations and their storylines are synthesized, in principle, I compose the narrative around them. In order to provide variety to the reader, I may introduce characters into the narrative whose role is to disclose a part or the entirety of a theme. Finally, the four themes are connected. For the sake of brevity, let's look at how I develop the narrative for the first theme. Quote, being very angry and biting his reddish lips with his teeth. The chapter begins by introducing the theme with a description of the sweetness of separation tasted by both Krishna and Yashoda upon her putting him down to attend to the boiling milk. Next follows a description of Krishna's anger, a description which is embellished with the internal and external symptoms of the transcendental mellow of anger described in the Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu. To express the various causes of anger detailed by the Acharyas, I introduced talking birds. This poetic license is drawn from the example of a lengthy description of Radha and Krishna's bodily beauty as sung by Vraja's parrots and Śrī, Govinda Lilamrita. The overall result can be seen below. When this same process is followed for all four themes, the end result is chapter 3 in its entirety. The final narrative form of the first theme. In the way that a child's appetite for sweet increases with every bite, and in the way that a drunkard desires more wine with every sip, so Krishna's absorption in his pastime intensified with each unfolding scene. From a moment, Krishna's aggrieved reaction due to being denied his mother's breast milk, was subdued by wonder at her service attitude. He watched transfixed as Yashoda Devi ran into the kitchen and so revealed the ultimate picture of maternal love. It was an image that Krishna secreted in the core of his heart and one that disclosed a truth known to the exceptionally qualified devotees. To serve Krishna, devotees would agree to be separated from him. Only because it pleased him would with, with Madhu let Krishna herd calves in the forest. Only because he wanted to deliver Vasudeva, Vasudeva and Devaki, would the Brajbasis. Allow him to go to Mathura. Only because they thought he wanted aristocratic girls would the gopis forgive his infidelity. While separation between lovers is generally painful, it was different with Krishna and the Brajbasis. When Krishna was distant from them, the Brajbasis externally behaved as if they had been poisoned. However, the internal reality, what the Bhajabhasis felt, was entirely different. While separation appeared devastating, it actually caused feelings of unprecedented bliss. And so it was for Krishna. When he was in the forest, Krishna's heart yearned for his mother's touch. When he was in Mathura, Krishna would cry after the Vajpasis. And when he was sleeping beside Rukmini, he would call out Radha's name. At those times, Krishna's suffering was so extreme that it frightened his associates. Yet at the same time, within himself, Krishna felt unprecedented bliss. Overpowering heartache. Intense longing and unrelenting hope were catalysts that transformed his suffering into ecstasy. And that ecstasy was so unique that Krishna wondered, what is this mysterious poison that transforms into the sweetest bliss? It had been just like that just now, after he had snuggled into Yashoda's embrace. Krishna had become both the victim of neglect and the beneficiary of bliss. It was an extraordinary experience, one that he continued to enjoy until his rebellious mind thought, She has left me for some milk. Following the experience of separation came thoughts of being neglected, and from those thoughts emerged corresponding feelings that stoked the anger of love. Burned thus by the fire of indignation, Krishna boiled like a baby volcano. Madhya Yashoda was also a beneficiary of similar but even more intense sweetness. Upon feeding Krishna, she had tasted the heavenly nectar of his touch, and when she put him down, she drank the abysmal poison of his absence. But as she rushed to save the boiling milk, her ecstasy amazingly increased step by step. Like Krishna, she was too was intoxicated by the love of separation. However, because he was the object of love and she was the subject, because he was unlimited and she was limited her pleasure, both nectarian and poisonous, were a hundred times greater than his. So when divine love forced Yashoda to rush to the stove, she was so disoriented that in an invisible way, Yogamaya had to guide her. Knowing that his mother's bliss exceeded his own, Krishna felt further deprived. Another injustice! Pierced thus, from multiple directions, his mounting anger finally erupted, although a little boy of three, Krishna was the origin of anger, material and spiritual. The forms of Vira Padra and their singa may have appeared ferocious by comparison to baby Krishna, but the fierceness of the anger that he felt was no less than theirs. In this way, the frustration of being neglected, jealous, jealousy of the boiling milk, and the injustice of being spiritually shortchanged caused a host of bodily symptoms. His hands clenched and unclenched, his little chest heaved with rapid breathing, and his black complexion became tinged with red. Eyes reddish, eyebrows fitted, flitting and his lips trembling. Krishna glared in the direction of the kitchen, biting his lower lip and vowed, I will get revenge. Feeling the heat of Krishna's wrath, the two parrots left their nearby perch for the security of the balcony and the company of other birds. Too alarmed to speak, the birds could only wonder at the cause of Krishna's sudden fury. One bird thought, he must be upset at being deprived of his mother's milk. Another thought, more upsetting than that must be his feelings of abandonment. Yet another, for such a young child the pangs of unsatiated hunger are most upsetting. Finally, one bird tweeted softly, his anger is most natural for a young child. It awry and arises spontaneously and without cause, although they could not agree that Krishna's anger was even real, the birds huddled together, lest it were, and more or less its so being directed at them. But when a shower of hot, angry tears issued from Krishna's lotus eyes, the birds became. Convinced that Krishna's anger was heartfelt, although few remain convinced that it was a show. In conclusion, I hope that the methodology detailed and this preference illuminates for the reader not only the way the book is being writ- was written, but also the authorities upon which its contents is based. It is a summary study of Damodar Lila and follows the style which Srila Prabhupada wrote Krishna book and teachings of Lord Chaitanya, as a summary studies of the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam and Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, respectively.